1: Them. Jingle balls. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome no.
2: to Food for Thought, a podcast <laughs> gabfest fest. We're in a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, <sighs> our identity, culture, what we like to read, and who we like to read. Food for Thought, tis the season to be thoughty. La <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm Tommy Teebes Pico, an indigenous American poet, screenwriter, and I put the ho in ho ho ho. <laughs> I'm
3: Fran, I'm a writer, editor, and all I want for Christmas is you is the national anthem. Yeah.
4: Like,
5: I don't care what y'all say, it truly
4: all year round, mama. I'm Joseph Osmondson, a scientist, nonfiction writer. I'm a bottom on Twitter, a verse on Instagram, hmm. and a top on my OnlyFans.
5: (laughs) Lies.
0: And I'm Dennis Norris II, and I'm a reader and a writer, a former figure skater, and my Lifetime Holiday movie is How the Bench Stole Christmas. Yes! Yes!
2: Uh, Fran you want to tell us what we got on the menu today That's right this week's topic is
3: Mental health so we Therapize with a little festive game Of homonym mm. Our gift to you is some penny For your thoughts and We pour one out for therapy
4: For dessert we cast a spell On you
5: hey, mm.
4: yes. And now you're mine Jingle bells, <laughs> <laughs> Take it away <laughs>
5: I'm feeling a little bit
2: peckish. <laughs> Let's start the top of this show the way any good top should, with a little tease, our uproarious appetizer segment, Amuse Boosh, and to amuse our booshes this week, Fran got a game for us.
3: That's right. We're bringing back, you know, a little classic we call homonym.
2: Mm.
3: Um, in this game, I list- of <laughs> uh, like a
2: gay horse theme. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my
5: god.
3: Uh, I list some homonyms, and for you, your you non-word nerds out there, it's like uh, a, a two word, two words that sound the same. These aren't like true homonyms, but like for the sake of the game, they kind of sound the same. And we, as a group, will decide which is the most homosexual, <laughs> um, i.e., so, the best. And this is, you know, a little holiday edition. I okay. would say. Um, mm. So first up, we have white Christmas,
2: white. Tears, white castle. Uh, How about white tears at White Castle during White Christmas? Yeah. (laughs) That is actually pretty gay. Um, (laughs) Also, me crying at White
4: Castle? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. very gay.
3: Very gay. True to
0: form. True to form.
2: Getting those clam strips?
0: (laughs) no. (laughs) Dennis? I mean, uh, I'm a bottom who collects white tears in my Cave of Wonders, so you know what I I like. (laughs) Oh, my God. Cave of Wonders as your new term for your bottom is just not gonna
5: work for me.
3: Uh, Next up, we have Chris Kringle, Chris Jenner
2: Chris Pratt
3: oh,
5: This no. is
2: so hard because they're uh, all just block block block
3: All of them are just like arbiters of queer culture you know just oh, like yeah. truly they're really
2: taking them for the team you know I mean they're out there
0: they're at the forefront of the revolution oh, you know yeah. what I mean the vanguard if uh, you yeah, will yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah oh Chris Kringle. I want to unwrap a present
3: I want Chris Pratt to Crush me.
0: Actually, <laughs> potty. Same. <laughs> and crush me till I potty, dad.
2: Uh, I like. Just kidding. I, I say that to Chris Kringle. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for uh, fat Chris Pratt. I like Chris Pratt when Chris Pratt was thicker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah me yeah. too. Yeah. Me too, for sure. Um, peppermint, the candy. Peppermint, the
3: drag queen. Pepper Ann, Pepper Ann, much too cool for seventh grade. Yes!
0: Oh, I am a a Pepper Ann stan forever. I am right there with you. Did you say right there with you? Right
2: there with you.
0: (laughs) She is from
3: Ohio. And Pepper Ann is a lesbian icon. Yes, she is. Like, literally never had a relationship during that whole series. Dresses like... Lesbian.
0: i mean i mean <laughs>
3: chunky heels and
0: everything
3: uh, the chunky heels the bright patterned shorts yes icon icon hana ka. <laughs> hana lulu <laughs> hana montana <laughs> <laughs> hana <Lecter. laughs>
0: I told you. Oh my fun. God! <laughs> Hannibal Lecter just to eat me
5: up. Hannibal, wow. ew, Hannibal ew.
4: is pretty gay.
5: Yeah.
4: <laughs> I'm not a Hannah Montana fan. Yeah. yeah. Right. Of course you. you like the country teams. <laughs> Terrifying. Well, my generation's like, who's Hannah Montana? What's a? What's a? Is that a state? Is that the capital of, of
5: Montana? <laughs> the capital of Montana is Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: Helena.
3: frosty the snowman frosted window panes Mm. frosties from wendy's frosties from wendy's Wendy's. Wendy's.
2: dipping
0: Dipping french French fries fries. hell yeah bitch
3: i've also
2: that's what the fuck is i've had sex in high school
3: after getting wendy's from frosties i mean (laughs) frosties from
2: wendy's (laughs) 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 obviously
3: had an impact on me So oh, yeah, Frost. Uh, all I, I also, Frosties, said, Frosties. as a sex Wendy's.
5: act. Frosty's
1: yeah.
4: Frosties. as I, of... I think it's ice cubes on your nipples. Yes. Frosties. Frosties are would
3: one of our greatest
4: it. allies, Joseph. Yes. Yes.
2: yes. Wendy, queer ally. Wendy's food chain. Is that when you, um, when you, when you give somebody anal lingus while having one of those uh, Crest breast strips on?
0: <laughs> is that a Frosty? Oh.
4: <laughs> oh.
2: glowing freshness into their um, body. Uh,
0: would try it. <laughs>
3: Uh, you know, keeping it keeping it inclusive for for our holidays. Um, we have dreidels, Drake as in doctor,
5: Dre-
0: Drake, <laughs> Tommy Nelson. Dre as in doctor. Get the fuck
5: out of here!
2: <laughs> I mean, Drake is really gay. You guys, Jake's pretty gay. What's Jake. his name? Ashley. Ashley. Yeah. Ashley
3: sucked a dick in the dark.
2: <laughs> or maybe in Broad daylight. Wait, Wait, his Taylor. name is
0: Aubrey.
3: Aubrey. 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 Oh, oh. Even Dick. <laughs> Aubrey, 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 a- Aubrey Ashley.
0: Aubrey. Aubrey Ashley Grant. Grant. I don't know. Um, I like a. I like a dreidel. I grew up in a very Jewish neighborhood. I went to a lot of bar and bat mitzvahs. I love a dreidel. Mm. I do. Is Hurt that, that a first. euphemism? D in the dreidel. I. It could be. Mm. Y- it's up to your imagination.
4: You are such a Charlotte.
0: Yes. There's no debate on that one. Everyone knows. Yeah, it's true.
4: Blue Christmas,
3: Blue Ivy Carter. I'm blue,
2: I'm blue, because everyone used to think the lyrics to that song was blue. I'm in need of a guy, I'm in need of a guy, I'm in need of a
0: guy. Just <laughs> subliminal homosexual messaging. Um, no, like I'm, absolutely, all the way through. I'm gonna go right ahead and say Blue Ivy. I want to go shopping Wait,
3: with her. Is that why I'm gay? That's why that's you're I gay. loved that song. Yep. Growing yeah, up.
0: that's why you're gay. Okay,
3: that yep. makes sense. That's they zapped you in the brain thing. Um. Good grief, goodwill toward men, or the way Beyonce and Drunken Love says good, 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 good. (laughs) Bad will toward men. Men (laughs) (laughs) are trash. I hate them. Yeah, that's true. It is a very gendered Christmas saying. Good, good dick. Good good Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Almost done. Good, good. If we were like if we were like a, a live radio show, our engineer would have a button that just goes good good <laughs> oh my
5: god, <laughs> oh my
2: god. <laughs> good good producer Alex, and this, get in on that just get like, on
3: that uh, can you and we need some like fart sounds as well just yeah. like
4: no that's just me that's Hi. just show, yeah, show. i am just the fart sounds. good, good. <laughs> oh, okay, it's sorry, holidays man. and we are very drunk
3: <laughs> <laughs> um menores, <laughs> meningitis <laughs> men <laughs>
0: I love a menorah.
2: Oh, D, Menor- save us, D. For save For the us longest from ourselves.
0: time, I I referred to the one in Kwanzaa as a menorah. It's not called a menorah, but I don't know what it's called. Oh it's my called God. a candle holder. Dennis. I love a menorah. I, I mean, a- menorahs are very. I love a nice well. Jewish man. They're so
4: extra. I have a question: yeah. mm-hmm. is the is the meningitis bacterial or viral?
3: I, you know what? Up up to interpretation, you know Joe. <laughs> what a question we were all
2: thinking. Yes, yes. I'm glad you put that. Viral into it.
4: meningitis is very gay because it's incurable.
2: Oh, and... You just have to write it, it out. And it kills you? It can. Okay. Yes. yes. No. Exactly like homosexuality.
0: <laughs> <laughs> also Twitter.
3: Lastly, oh. we have Rudolph the Reindeer. Rudolph Maya. Yes. <laughs> Come at rude boy, boy, can you get it?
5: <laughs> oh my God, this is like a Sophie's choice. This is so, <laughs> how
0: do you choose between... Ru- I'm going to Ru- go with Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph or Rudolph Maya doing... Come on, good, good boy.
5: Oh,
0: yeah. yeah. That's, That's, that That's an, what I nailed need. nailed those lyrics. I'm so good at lyrics. I'm so good at lyrics. Okay, so I'm now, for what? our
3: podcast is canceled because Dennis doesn't know the lyrics to Rude, Rude Boy. boy. It's fine. <laughs> I don't. The lyrics don't. has the
4: title of the song in
3: the lyrics. I don't.
0: We're gonna get canceled, it's Dennis. Fine. <laughs> it's
4: fine. I'm just so glad we didn't talk about Giuliani.
0: Giuliani! <laughs> oh, God. I, You know, I
2: love me some... Rude Boy's one of my favorite Rihanna songs of all time in space, but also my Rude Doing the hormone monster in uh, Big Mouth, so good, so good. I Amazing. love Maya Rudolph when she's Michelle Obama
3: and she's just wagging her finger, <laughs> and that's like her stick. So oh, so good. She's excellent. Um, mm-hmm. thank you for this for playing this holiday edition of Home Happy holidays. Ha- Happy holidays.
0: Ho ho ho. Get out your coin purses, benches. Cha-ching! Oh, hey. <laughs> Penny Fair Thoughts is our absolutely unqualified advice segment from the questions that we get in our incredible, glorious Cave of Wonders inbox. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Just to reiterate, like really unqualified, like we say totally unqualified clinically unqualified Joe,
3: every time you say i'm a doctor a gay baby dies <laughs> yeah, perfect
0: oh wait no
4: a gay baby
5: no <laughs> i don't know how to feel
4: i'm
3: a doctor um so we do get a lot of emails from y'all and then we just so you know um we try our best to pull in as many but like these are the ones that we feel would be most conducive to our Enti- a, a lot of our audience um so first up we have an email that says and these have been edited for concision um Dear Thoughts, I'm a current junior in high school, which means I have to start looking at colleges. I love learning, and I'm, very, I'm a very ambitious student. Ever since freshman year, I've been stressed about picking my major, yet it's my multiple anxiety disorder, Same girl, same. Relatable content. <laughs> um, I want to study everything, but I know I have to pick one or two subjects. I love history, and I've planned to study it for a while, but the more research I do, the more I hear... Um, That history is possibly the worst thing to major in because it's hard to get a job and it doesn't pay well. I have a huge dilemma. Study what I love and have confidence that I won't be able to find a job or choose a major I may not love, but stand a better chance of getting a good paying job. I'm too young to be this stressed. Yes, what do, I do. Yes, you yes, are. You are. You really yes, you are. are. But it's not your fault because like structural institutions yes. n- make kids this stressed. In, I was this In stressed. North America. Yeah, this absolutely. is a, no- a deeply Western problem. Yes, I feel
2: is. kind of unqualified to answer this question because I am a professional <laughs> <laughs> poet. <laughs> like, As if that's a thing. And there's like, you know, and, and thinking <laughs> about studying poetry when I was younger, I was like, there's no... What am I going to get a job in? Like, The, the right, future seems so... Yeah. Yeah. And the the future seemed bleak to me in terms of like finding prospects for employment within the poetry world. Uh, I would not recommend it. I personally would recommend getting getting something that is more um, practical and then figuring out how to in your free time or in your off time do. enrich yourself with the things that you love. I, so this is Joe. I
4: have a very, you know, kind of unique perspective on this. I, I'm trained as a scientist. You're an academic. Uh, I'm an academic. I'm still in that field. The one thing I'll say um, is that STEM is not the answer. I think we've been pushing for a long time. Do STEM. It's practical. It's practical. There are no jobs in STEM either. Mm-hmm. Like there are jobs for very specific STEM degrees. Like if you have a computer engineering degree, it's a little better. I have a PhD in biophysics and made very little money for a very long time and had very few job prospects, and it was very hard to get a job in my field. So the notion that like you can do a practical thing, I think, is really um, kind of a little bit false. The global economy right now is trash for labor, and nothing is yeah. practical. Nothing Sorry. is practical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the only other thing I'll say practically is that I the reason I'm able to do this is because I come from a liberal arts background. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling this way and you feel like, oh, I want to do all of the things, go to a liberal arts college mm-hmm. where you can make like my major was biology mm-hmm. and biochemistry. But I did French literature. I did English mm-hmm. literature. I did poli sci. I had all of these other things that you're actually required to do yeah. for that core you education. Are so Fran reporting yeah. that.
3: I studied English, art history, Italian, sex and journalism. Yeah, don't <laughs> like None you of you these don't. Things it's are don't get me money. It's yeah. um,
4: this is it's very different in Europe. In Europe, you have to pick a major essentially before you go to college. You have to go to a specific college for that major Mm -hmm. in America. We often you have a couple of years at a liberal arts college before you have to pick your major be adventurous in that Mm -hmm. time read widely take different faculty members who are going to challenge you.
3: And where it's important that you follow your passion if you think your passion is history be open to other possibilities like know that like there are I think probably all of us or like a lot of people that we know are going to when you're a senior in high school you're like this has been the thing that I was born to Mm -hmm. do. That changes so fast. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when I. Uh, little known fact, like my first major was theater. Oh, baby. I went to the Theater Conservatory of DePaul and I was there for about one semester and I was like, yeah. oh, this is not what I wanted to do. And mm. I thought I had been passionate about it my whole life.
4: And I feel like for me, you know, I'm I my PhD is in biophysics, but I never stopped reading and writing. And that became a second career for me. So it's like just because you decide your career is going to be a practical thing doesn't mean that you can't also spend your life and your passion doing something... Aside of that undergraduate degrees rarely
3: convene the trajectory of your life. And more importantly, <laughs> it's just like, it's you're being gaslit. Like yeah. if there's, there's yeah, yeah. you're being gaslit to think that this is going to like impact the rest of your life. And
0: I promise you it won't. Yes. So Dennis here. Um, full disclosure college guidance is actually what I do for a living. So oh, I have a ton of experience <laughs> Hi, advising um, students your age in this. And I'm going to go ahead right off the bat and say that if you're listening to this, I invite you to DM me so that we can have further conversation because I have some questions for you that I actually think would help illuminate how you should be thinking about this. But based on what we have here, what I'm going to start by saying is uh, first of all, I echo and support everything that the thoughts have said. They're giving you really great advice. But I'm also going to go ahead and say that it's really important, especially when you're thinking about the decisions that you, the academic decisions that you feel like will contribute to the rest of your life, that you stop, that you think less about what's further down the road and more about the steps that are immediately in front of you. Mm. And so where you're really focusing on whether or not you want to study what you're going to love and whether or not you're going to study something that you like far less, but that you think is going to give you a well-paying job, the reality, much like Joe said, is that you have n- you really don't have a sense of what the economic um, situation mm-hmm. is going to be mm-hmm. when you graduate. And you also may not have a sense yet of what you're going to really, what talents and interests you're really going to, sc- to discover during your four years in college. And so I would encourage you to think more about how you want to spend the time that you're going to have in school. Mm. And so that's both thinking about the subjects that interest you and that keep you awake at night and that alight your curiosity and also the literal practices that you're very interested in. If you're someone who loves science and you know you want to be in a lab, in a lab. doing doing experiments mm-hmm. and, and learning in that okay. way, then make sure you build in some time for that. If you know that you love to read and to write, then make sure mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that's maybe where your focus is. The other thing I'm going to say is that you don't necessarily, especially at a liberal arts college, like Joe said, you don't necessarily have to make a ton of choices about what you're going to study. You will have to declare a major unless you go to Sarah Lawrence. But <laughs> for example, true. when I went to college, I majored in English. I minored in political science and I graduated with two concentrations in feminist and gender studies and African-American studies. And I did that all within four four years mm-hmm. and you like as you learn how your college how the colleges that you're looking at look at credits and look at how they ask you to spend your time you can begin to get a sense of how you might want to build out your schedule so that you can balance things yeah. mm-hmm. snaps to that snaps. that was
2: especially since when i looked over at dennis when you were first reading the question it was like i have this huge And i saw dennis's eyes get all big and, like, <laughs> dilemma, and they were
0: like oh
4: I, oh that's Bye. just a huge I, d can be a dilemma too
0: well, well yeah the word that automatically comes after huge in my head is is not dilemma, but it has the first two letters. D, yeah, different D words. Yeah. That yeah. was great advice, Dennis. Yeah.
3: All right. Let's go to this next one. Uh, firstly, I'd like to say how much I love your podcast. I'm so Ew. sorry. Oh, we apologize for You have advance. no taste. <laughs> I'm alone a lot in daily life, and I listen to your voices to feel less lonely. For a bit of backstory, I had a break in my mental health and ended up very sick last year. Luckily, I got out of it. But in that couple of months, I quickly got into a relationship and moved to a different province with my partner. Things are usually pretty good, but we were only supposed to be here for a year. He wants to stay and work another year, but I want to go to school. Is it selfish of me to leave and go to school where I want? Is it selfish of him to not want to move again with me? Am I being ridiculous to even care this much about a relationship that's only been a year long? We should be so lucky. I was like, girl, I not Are you married? <laughs> the last time You're I married, was in a right? year long relationship was like 2012. I have not um, seen that side of six months in a long oh, time. Go. Oh my God. I'm also only 21 and mm-hmm. I have a lot of emotion in general life. Cool. I lo- <laughs> Are you a Pisces? <laughs> um, is your name Joseph Osman? <laughs> is Joe writing? From the and past?
5: A
2: <laughs> Are you trolling us?
3: Uh, I'd love some outside perspective on this. Setting love to all of you.
2: Mm, Thank you. Teams. Thank you. I would say, Oh my god, 21 is so young. It I is. didn't even I didn't even know how young I was at 21, looking back on it now. There's you have so much time. I say, you know what? Move, do your thing, let that person do their thing, and then you know, maybe you'll find each other in each other's lives again and maybe you won't I don't mm-hmm. I don't happen to think personally again this is my own personal bias but like I happen to think that like you know this is the, the most whimsical I'm ever going to get but it. But but if it's meant to be then it will happen
3: yeah. and there are way, I mean like there's you're kind of placing this cloud of doom over the separation of your relationship it depends on what kind of person you are in relationships and if you're like not someone for long distance then yeah like maybe you can second guess it but like you're so young and right now I really think you just need to part ways and keep the relationship make it keep make keep it going like figure out mm. how to make it work and that mm. and if it can stand the test of that separation that will mean that you're meant to be and together. you're not going to be away in school forever and we're not kidding. a mm-hmm. year is a long time a don't year, get it twisted can... we're not yeah. we're not yeah. to- we're not at all like saying that that's like we I-, I would not echo your your sentiment that it's like
0: ridiculous it's not ridiculous yeah. at all a year mm-hmm. is a long
3: time and it's it makes sense it only makes sense that you would want to stay
0: but yeah I I, I I deeply agree with all of this. i and i I would also encourage you to think about, um to to disavow the idea that just because something might be selfish in your context that that automatically makes it a bad thing. Mm. because I tend to come from the school of thought that at the end of the day, my first responsibility until until I like, have a child or maybe a husband, like my first responsibility is to my life. And so I have to be more selfish about myself than the people around me will be in terms of them giving up what they want for themselves on my behalf. Like mm-hmm. I, th- it's so important, yes, to give time and energy to the people that you want to be in your life, especially in relationships. But I think that when you start to have the conversation of whether or not you're giving up what y- what you're going to do for the sake of maintaining the relationship... Um, that's just where I, I I encourage someone to to give quite a lot of pause and to be asking the question of whether or not they first of all would be doing the same thing for you mm. um, it's a little unclear to me from the question whether or not you guys moved for you or moved for him or what exactly mm-hmm. that situation was it's, it implies that they moved for him but yeah but it's not it yeah not. but it's not totally clear so um, but yeah I would just say that at the end of the day you're 21 and you're likely still Mm. trying to figure out what your path is. So just think about it a little more. And
2: I I, I feel like too they opened with discussing the fact that they had a break in their mental health. Mm -hmm. Which means that like you become deeply dependent. mm Mm-hmm. I'm I, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. What we're going to say no, but, but that uh, but but I, I think that if your mental health is important to you, like Dee said, you have to be thinking about what it is that you really want and need and and, and take the time to like investigate that. And, and, and like what Fran said, though, like finding somebody after a break is like a very vulnerable place in True. which to mm-hmm. find somebody.
0: This message comes from iHeartRadio sponsor Mercury Insurance. If you're looking to save some money, you should really think about getting a quote from Mercury. Because Californians save an average of $677 with Mercury. It's quick and easy, and in just a few minutes, you might find you could save a lot of money on your auto and home insurance. Plus, Mercury was named one of America's best insurance companies by Insure.com four years in a row. Low rates, big discounts, great insurance. Go to mercuryinsurance.com today to get a quote.
1: It's crazy how much we have to pay for outdated, impersonal health care. And even crazier that we all just accept it. They then create custom, easy-to-understand plans to help guide you to achieving long-term health. With Forward, you get unlimited in-person visits with your doctor and access to care anytime via the Forward app, all for one flat monthly fee. It's time to stop accepting backwards health care and start moving your health forward. Visit GoForward.com today to learn more. That's GoForward.com. Lucky and lucky California know that it can be hard finding the perfect Mother's Day gift. Unless she's a food lover. Because we can help you put together an incredible meal for a gift you won't even have to wrap. Right now, tender Angus beef filet mignons are just $10.99 a pound. For dessert, strawberry shortcake. Driscoll's strawberries are buy one, get one free. A perfect meal is a perfect gift at Lucky and Lucky California, the golden state of eating.
0: Here Comes the Break is the groundbreaking podcast sparking real conversations about creativity, mental health, friendship, family, hope, and music. Asante Black stars as Ruben in a fictional narrative featuring real interviews with emerging artists. What advice would you give the families and parents about supporting a teenager that wants to pursue the arts?
2: If you see they're dedicated and you see that they really mean it and their grades are good, (laughs) Mm. then let them do it, man.
5: Let them
0: do it. Get inside Ruben's head to learn what drives him.
2: See, no one wants to be a Hollywood celebrity anymore. No one my age anyway. I mean, we want to be internet famous. We want to be influencers motivating our peers to become followers of what's trending on Twitter, TikTok, or Instagram. And find out if Ruben can survive internet fame. No, 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 no. Marco was right. No need to psych myself out. There is no turning back now.
0: Listen to Here Comes the Break starting May 13th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Cha-ching, cha-ching. Thank you for uh, giving us your questions. <laughs> <laughs> So, Tomboy X, if you've never heard of it, is like a very inclusive underwear company. And uh, underwear, among other things, among other... Basics and things that you wear inside yeah, and outside yeah, yeah. your clothing. Um, I personally love Tomboy X because, like, I think that the representation of like the models that they bring mm. out is like so—it's so trans, it's so queer, it's so bo- body positive—and I, I think that that's just like something that you don't see in uh,
4: what a lot of brands are doing. Um, this is Joe. You know, I really—I've um, been wearing sports bras and like gender non-conforming underwear for a long time, and it was really hard for me when I first started doing that to like go into the store. Mm-hmm. I would go to fucking Kmart because I have no money, mm-hmm. and I would like buy a sports bra and like be judged by the people in the section shopping and be judged by the people on the checkout. Mm -hmm. And it was like so nice to have a brand of underwear Mm -hmm. under garments in general that is like about that. Mm -hmm. It is just about that.
0: So for me, there's a few things at Tomboy that I really really love. But this week, the favorite one that I want to talk about is actually um, the Pride socks. Oh, really? They're 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 rainbow striped. They're super cozy and comfortable. Oh, rainbow! Um, and I always love socks that kind of make my feet look little and delicate because that is a personification of me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I'm really into their socks this week, guys. Oh. They're fun.
3: Go to tomboyx.com/thot and check out their special button and pack pricing and food for thought. Listeners get an extra fifteen percent off with the code THOT. T-H-O-T? Again, that's code THOT <laughs> for an extra fifteen percent off. Ditch whatever you're wearing for a pair of Tomboy X underwear. Go to tomboyx.com/thot.
2: Oh, THOT. Mm, it's time we moved on to the meat of our discussion. The thought process spelled <laughs> T-H-O-T.
0: T-H-O-T. T-H-O-T. THOT.
2: And to lead us this week host of osmussen hi
4: everybody for our main topic today we're eating a hearty and healthy and heaping holiday dose of my personal favorite thing to do while crying therapy Mm. well jk Uh. everything is my favorite thing to do while crying (laughs) first off the holidays however you celebrate or don't they are fucking awful they're triggering yes and there's a spike in basically all mental health shit. And on top of that, both my therapist and my shrink, because I have both, um, mm-hmm. a.k.a. my two best friends have told me <laughs> that since the 40- boyfriend's my boyfriends, that <laughs> since the 45th president was elected, they've both seen a huge spike in yep. both anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. It's real nice out there, stats. Queens. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're here to talk about it. Therapy in its modern form is a relatively recent invention, dating only back to the early 20th century, when Freud and a bunch of other people were trying to develop a scientific understanding of human personality. Freud gave us the id, that's me, crying while eating a hot dog, (laughs) the ego, that's Fran's practicality, and the superego, or morality, which we all gave up on when we came out of the closet. Psychoanalysis tried to understand our desires and motivations to break us out of destructive cycles." anything was fair game from dreams to random thoughts today this type of therapy still exists but so does cognitive behavioral therapy gestalt therapy guided meditation couples therapy mindfulness-based cognitive therapy ASMR. and of course and
3: my therapy going to the movies alone
4: <laughs> and an app called talk space two thoughts here have therapists so important to us that they basically become characters on the show shout out to doctors John and Eric.
2: Hi, Dr. John.
4: At several points in my life, both therapy and medication for anxiety, and I do want to talk about meds too, have been critical for me. They've literally kept me alive. Therapy almost feels like a magic space, a little box, one hour a week I spend caring for myself. The results aren't always immediate, but over weeks and months, therapy has been a part of what lifts me out of myself and places me back in the world, mostly happy that I'm still here. I know that this conversation is going to get a little intense. So I want to launch off with a light question before we dig in. Thoughts to get us started. I have too many questions. They're related. To you, is it important that your therapist be queer if you have one? And could you have a therapist that you found, like, really attractive?
2: Tommy, <laughs> <laughs> is it important that my therapist is queer? I don't. I have the same therapist whose office I walked into for the first time in like wow. 2007. So it's I, like, love I, it for sight. Yeah, that never happens. I do feel like I'm somewhat of an abnormal case. I mean, you know, it's basically I, I married my high school sweetheart situation. Right. So I don't know what it would be like to not have Dr. John. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, I do not. I don't know. I don't know if I could continue doing therapy with somebody who I was like super duper attracted to without at least trying. To, like, w- without at least making mention of the cu- like the therapist couch or something like that, I mean like you know my legs are all the way up here. So. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I've never had a therapist that I was attracted to, but also open to it. <laughs> you you would um, it wouldn't distract I, you. No. I mean I, I mean I would be I would be open to it, is okay. what I said. Okay. Um but I, I definitely would need I need a therapist that is queer and I mean first of all I'm still searching for a therapist and after dating quite a few, I think I figured out that I cannot have my therapist be a man. Oh that mm.
0: Mm. I think it's just something mm-hmm. that I need. I yeah. I think that I need a therapist who is a queer woman of color. Yeah, and I am very clear on that. I do not full disclosure. Do not currently have a therapist, um, and I do not think it would be. a i mean, if I if I think my therapist is going to be a woman, then I probably won't be attracted to her. And I think that that's probably for the best. If I had a really attractive man that was a therapist, I I think that there might still be a lot that I could get out of working with that person, but it would actually. Be the repetition of a lot of the patterns in my life, which is throwing my my affections and my investments on a man that is unavailable to me Mm. uh, emotionally Mm. and romantically. And do you think you could address that in therapy with the person? I think I could address it, but I don't think it would change anything. Mm. Like I don't think I. I mean, I guess I could be wrong. I don't have a lot of experience with therapy, but I don't know. I don't. I. I wouldn't necessarily know how. To suddenly like turn that attraction off, and mm-hmm. if that attraction is there, then even if it's a slow drip, I'm going to be giving that kind of per- that person so much power that yeah. um, I have to be I, I, d- I would have to be addressed, and I just don't know that I would be able to fix it. Are... Well,
2: our okay,
3: our relationships therapy. I think ther- no. I think Mm-mm. the but the thing that you have with your therapist is a relationship yes, 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 yes. like for a sure. human relationship yeah. but yeah yeah no. I, I don't think relationships can be therapy i think you need to have a space away from your partner exactly i think that's the, the yeah. biggest thing yeah. about if your boyfriend knows everything that's going on with you in therapy i mean it's okay for, i mean you it's natural to divulge that information yeah. but everything no mm. private space i'm yeah. like
4: so this is joe i don't believe in private spaces uh. <laughs> number one my therapist is True. i hope he, he's not listening dr eric right now spanking hot Spanking, spanking hot. Wow. And like very much my type. Um, but. It's absolutely not a problem for me because, and I'm going to say something that might shock people, uh, my therapist literally was a big part of what saved my life when I was when I was going through a breakup and some health issues and I thought I was actually going to ha- have to be hospitalized for mental health issues. I was mm-hmm. also transitioning to being on Alexa Pro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Which, <laughs> Alexa Pro. Our favorite uh, thing is to, uh, to use do. Italian restaurants,
3: use it's Italian, pro, <laughs> Italian
0: <is that? laughs> accents while
4: talking about.
3: It's a Kalanabiz.
4: Oh, a huge It's oh. pasta.
3: Uh, (laughs) if any of y'all want to clock us for being racist with Italian (laughs) accents let me tell you it's not racist (laughs) y'all are white
5: fuck Um,
4: Christopher Columbus Day
5: okay therapy
4: is was such a, a necessary space that was outside of romantic relationships that is so asexual to me it is like the idea of being like I can recognize that he's attractive, but the idea of being romantically or sexually attracted to him is is really odd to me. It feels like I value my therapist more than I would a partner. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: And, okay. Because okay. my
4: therapist was there through me for that whole time. But I do think that one thing that therapy does that relates to romantic relationships is my therapist is a man. He's a queer man. Uh, and one thing that is done is is modeled what it feels like. To have a man actually care for me emotionally which I haven't had a lot in my life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and, and and just it has taught me how to expect people that I'm dating to treat me mm. with consistency with care listening to me holding space for my emotions but not just like taking them like a sponge right so it's been critically important I think it's been great for me to have a
2: queer man in that way mm-hmm. Tommy yeah. well okay but okay so maybe okay, relationships aren't therapy right Writing's not, sure. therapy. Writing is not therapy. Art isn't therapy. Therapy is therapy, right? Yep. But um, are there therapeutic applications to some of those things? Mm. Like you process with a partner, I assume, For sure. right? There's, mm. There there, are cer- certain things that are, that are aligned with therapy that you do with other people. Um, so it's not just like all, it's not like all of um, that energy that you put into a therapist is exclusively the energy of the therapist or of the session or whatever, right? right? Um, but I'm wondering like, what what is the repository for like the kind of processing that you do in a relationship when you don't have a relationship, mm. when you don't have a romantic relationship?
5: No, you know what I
2: mean? Mm. Yeah. Um I mean, I do give a lot of that to Dr. John. And I think too, just the fact that like, he, like what you said about him teaching you how to be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like I've been with Dr. John forever. I've been with Dr. John for 11 years. Yeah. And I do feel like, that long-term consistency has shown me as well what it's like to just kind of be with somebody for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, Make but, it less scary. Yeah, <laughs> and also like somebody for me to something. Yes, and yeah. but, but it didn't start off... Our relationship did not start off as strong as it is today. Of course. You know, and that took time oh my too. gosh, of course. And it took time for me to be... To be able to sit in a room with somebody and just start talking and not edit myself at all, mm-hmm. that took a long time. But it is similar... It, it does does feel like writing to me in the sense that like if I'm in that room with Dr. John, I'm accountable to everything that's going in and on in my mind, yeah. and I, I have to say it out loud. Correct. Mm. And when I'm writing, I similarly feel accountable oh. to myself. If it's going through my head, I have to write it down. I don't have to keep it. I can right, edit it right, right, out. Right, right. But it, but there are there are methods of accountability that, that writing and therapy have taught me. That has totally for me been cr- really important in trying to be
4: healthier in my relationships as well. Learning to say the things that scare me, mm-hmm. and and what I've realized through doing therapy is that. It takes practice. It takes practice to say the scary things. It takes things. practice. Like literally. And so mm-hmm. being in therapy where I have the I have the ability you know it's it, you learn and learn to trust that I can say the mm-hmm. things that I'm most afraid of saying and that the person your therapist won't reject you for those things mm-hmm. and that teaches you what it feels like to sort of trust someone and to say the hard things and then you can carry that into your mm-hmm. not just romantic relationships you're familiar oh my god it's so hard for me to talk to my parents sometimes about certain things mm-hmm. yeah you know
3: I mean Friend. I I just weird background on me so my mom is a therapist um oh, I didn't know that I know right mm. so um like I have been therapized my whole life but um, <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) The thing about therapists is that like emotions and emotional labor is work. Yeah. And then there's the non and then you like when you, you know, clock out, you clock out. And so my whole family, although we're all very emotional, also have these moments where you just need to turn off because of that dichotomy between like emotional labor and not emotional labor. And where I do feel because I am the child of a therapist I am you know privy to asking um, invasive and emotionally probing questions but <laughs> not privy to answering them um, um, and a lot of time and that what I'm figuring out because I'm very early on in my um, search for a therapist what I'm figuring out going on dates with them is that it is a lot harder for me to answer those questions mm-hmm. even though it's really easy for me to dish them out and also to be emotionally over someone I'm always someone that people go to when they're have when they going through something rough wow. people always cry in front of me people always like go there with me Is that me because you've made them a, cry? No, it's
0: <laughs> only with you, Joe. <laughs>
3: no, 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 Joe. I'm talking about my friends. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, but I, but I do. I, I am this someone who's a really great um, receiver, but not a great, <laughs> uh, not, not great at just like actually putting it out there when I talk about my emotional self more often than not, because I, if I'm not asked, I won't answer. I mm. mean, um, when I'm going into therapy now, I'm finding that I'm shutting down. Um, uh, when people ask
4: yeah. That's a great... I just want to, to focus on one thing you said, Fran. I'm sure you do. Um, no, no, no. In a good way. The best advice that I got when I was looking for a therapist was to date. Oh, yeah. And so mm. in New York, at least, the insurance rules are pretty... I saw four therapists at the beginning and widowed it down to Can two. Can you imagine like, go, like going on a date with one guy and being like, this is the one? Yeah. No! That's yeah. not yeah. how it's just like you, one hour with a person. Like, you have to see that the person has the right therapeutic approach, that they're not going to be homophobic or racist. My, my uh, therapist in our very first session, which was a very good sign for me, said, you know, um, psychoanalysis, which is a part of or type of therapy I do, has a reputation for being uh, ignoring identity, ignoring race, ignoring gender, ignoring sexuality. Mm. And he's like, I want you to know that I like this room to be a safe space to talk about those things. So feel free to bring those things into this space and I'll make space for them in Mm. you.
3: I'm curious about when all of us had a specifically low period of mental health Mm. and what you did to remedy that thing that wasn't therapy, um, especially since we're, you know, it's the holidays. This is, a, as you said in our intro, really triggering time. time for a lot of people, especially if it pertains to trauma, to grief, to your biological family that you might not have a relationship to. Like, we are here for you and we love you. It's also you. A
4: seasonal affective disorder. Yes, it's just mama, like a
3: tough time of the God, year. I am so yes. close to
4: moving to Los Angeles with you, t- <laughs> i I'm,
2: I'm just going to say, you know where it doesn't get cold like that? L <laughs> motherfucking A, bitch. Um,
3: but yeah, emotional lows. What did you do around yeah, I mean, I've, I've your a, mental health?
2: I've talked about this a little bit, but like so much of my writing Writing has happened in the wake of a breakup or mm-hmm. in, in, in a very very low moment um my fr- the first time ever um i had a like a arts collective and a zine making press and it was like this anti-racist queer positive uh a uh, small publishing company that did art and writing for like five years from 2008 to 2013 but i did it because i had just somebody had just broken up with me and i just had a lot of restless energy that i did not I know what to do know. with mm-hmm. it's sort of like um you know when 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 you get off stage and you're done performing but like that whatever the, the charge you needed to get you up to that level doesn't go away immediately. And right. so you just live with all of this ambient energy. And I right. just, I needed to do something with my hands. Like I needed to do mm. something with my body and with my mind. And that the, having that artistic outlet was great for that restless energy. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, it is, it, and, and the, my third book started after a breakup as well, but it is like, um, that that zine collective was alongside therapy. Like yep. I started seeing Dr. John as my first relationship was ending, mm-hmm. and. It's in the sort of way that some people like like serial monogamous, like go right into another relationship or start flirting with somebody else. Once they know their primary relationship is like over, right. I knew that the relationship was ending and I was like, I'm going to need something to soften this blow. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but it was awareness. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was it, like um, art making and writing in conjunction with like finding Dr. John. Yeah. Mm. I have a similar answer to you. It's like a, just like in, in terms of like
3: what. I don't want to use the word distract because that sounds like dissociative and like sounds like you're just Mm -hmm. trying to block things out. But like working alongside your grief and the things that you're trying to go through um, with work because your art is your work as well. And for me, like uh, the things that I create, the things that I'm most excited about are kind of like my quote unquote work, which is like another discussion about what you think is work. But when I throw myself into the things that make me happy, when I throw myself into things that make me feel bigger than just this person who feels really, really alone mm-hmm. in your room at like three o'clock in the morning while you're like watching like reruns of The Great British Baking Show and like yeah. eating a whole pack of chips. Um, <laughs> it is, like, that like really awesome. hypothetical. <laughs> <Yeah>. hypothetically. That's, <laughs> that's my um, safe space. Like when you're putting yourself out there,
2: that's recharging for
3: me as yeah. well. And you know, extroversion isn't a recharge for everybody, but it works for mm. me.
2: I'm mm. curious, what are your, what are your attitudes towards medication? I love medication
3: <laughs> I take medication to stay sane. I mean, um, I don't take it every day, but I take lorazepam like an episodic anxiety. I take yep. it when I like need when I'm feeling the the pressure of like going to an event or I feel the pressure of like going into a difficult meeting or going into anything that I think yep. is going to create a high pressure situation for yep. myself. I need that.
4: I, there was so much stigma around me, more stigma around starting meds than there was around starting therapy. Mm, uh, I can I, imagine. I really felt that I was broken. Uh, I am on an SSRI, which is just to science nerd out a little bit. The selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, um, the most common class of consistent uh antidepressants that we can take. Uh, I use it for chronic anxiety. It's a little bit of an off label. I take Lexapro for chronic anxiety. It's a little bit off label, but uh, for me it works incredibly. It worked. It helped pull me out of um, that crisis I was talking about. I feel really great right now and I could like try to taper off, but I've had insomnia for my whole life since I was like in fifth and sixth grade. I'm just, I have a very, I'm a very stressed out person and that comes out by insomnia. Once I started taking the Lexapro, I don't have insomnia at all mm. anymore so i was always taking ambient as like um when i needed it then i don't i just don't have to do that very often anymore and so it's worth it for me to just keep taking this drug which again i'm working on getting rid of my stigma which i still have about taking a pill every day and making me feel like my brain is broken mm-hmm. um and it, i'm not one of the, there are people who are like oh um you know depression is a disease and that helps them with stigma that doesn't help me with stigma that actually makes me feel more broken so it's like you have to kind of like figure out what works for you to you know, do the healthy thing for you, the best thing for you. Try to think about your brain, your health, and your body without trying to attach negative stigma to it.
3: Right. And your medication, everyone's medication is different. Your medication might be like CBD or it might be like medicinal marijuana. It might be like, it might be um,
2: (laughs) ASMR, you know, like I, you know, there are lots of different forms of medication. I just wanted to ask you all about medication um, because and this isn't something that I've actually told anybody, Mm -hmm. but I have been thinking a lot more about medication because Mm -hmm. there's nothing really wrong with my life (laughs) uh, as it is. Um, And yet there are still certain things that aren't going away. Mm
5: -hmm. And Mm
2: -hmm. I feel at peace and I feel rested and I feel happy. Mm -hmm. But then there are still these like bikes Mm -hmm. that are not going anywhere Mm -hmm. and i thought oh if i get to a certain point in my life like that particular flavor of anxiety is not going to be a feature of my life anymore and it's not going away and i'm afraid i'm afraid of taking medication i'm i haven't taken medication for 15 years Mm -hmm. i i'm afraid of all of those things that people say that are sort of cliche but about losing your edge or about losing your art or about losing your xyz or your motivation all the time yes i'm terrified of that but i'm starting to get to the point where it's like i don't the the the, the, the wh- whatever vigor the anxiety creates is not is not worth it anymore yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: the first time i went to therapy in college my therapist pointed out to me that my anxiety uh is not all negative that it drives me i'm a i'm a hard-working person in part because of my anxiety because i'm nervous and i worry a lot and that may be at the time i was in college study all the time right and so it's like recognizing when the anxiety is productive and is caused by a thing in your life and then ang- also recognizing when it's counterproductive and overflowing or not tied to like an actual stress that you have. But yeah, the spikes of anxiety man it's 2018 yeah. it is like a hard mm.
3: it is a hard mm. planet to live in and tommy like you know one of the medication aside i think one of the best pieces of advice i had ever get, been given which is from elizabeth Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, i'm so sorry <laughs> uh, when it when it comes to anxiety and mental health is like the difference between being quote unquote good which is like not a great term to think about um, mental health and anxiety but like the difference between people who are in control of that and people who aren't is like the, understanding the fact that at least for me, anxiety is never going to go away. Absolutely, mental health yeah. issues do not leave you or your person. But the difference between good and not good, or I shouldn't use the term, the difference between being in control of it is not is whether the anxiety is driving the car That's or whether right. the anxiety is in the back seat, mm-hmm. and you're like, mm-hmm. "Well, I'm driving you." Mm-hmm. Like I know you're always going to be there, but like, yeah. you're in the back seat, buddy, and like, no backseat driving. Yeah, like don't yeah, tell yeah, me yeah, where to go. Yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it definitely, it Love definitely. That. It's important for me to recognize that some of these negative affects, the negative feelings, the anxiety, the sadness, like that is a part of being a human person. Right. Mm -hmm. And and it is there's an acceptance to it that for me is really productive to living a life that like I do feel sad and the world is sad. The world is really sad and hard right now. The world is a garbage fire. And (laughs) if I get to the point where I don't feel this, I don't feel sad about the sad things in the world and i don't feel scared of the scary world and i Mm -hmm. don't feel anxious about a world that's built on precarity Mm -hmm. then that's not a person that i want to be i don't want to be cloistered away in a little bubble of my own comfort and not being empathetic towards my own self and all the, the people who are not well but it is about you know being a person who's capable of seeing the sadness of the world but not being consumed by it
2: and, and this okay that's a good point because you know uh, our discussion of this has largely been uh without without identity politics necessarily right. woven into it but it's like so my, another one of my um and another one of my resistances to taking medication is like okay listen i'm a queer indigenous person mm-hmm. in occupied america mm-hmm. i can't medicate those things away right those mm-hmm. things are always going to be a that's part right. of me there will always be a source of anxiety Epigenetic there'll always be something trauma. yeah that i'll be fighting against and like i i had to i i, I was commissioned to to write a poem for the for the opening of this indigenous uh, or this this conference on healing from indigenous trauma childhood epigenetic uh-huh. otherwise and it was a very difficult thing for me to write and it and I wasn't unfortunately I wasn't there to deliver it but a lot of people I got a lot of response from it and and they were taught and they said that it like I don't know if it helped them but it was like the, the it articulated something uh that like historical uh uh childhood day-to-day etc et etc cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that they had been feeling and it's like I don't it's it's not that I don't, I'm not going to lose touch with that. That's always yeah. going to be a part of me. Yeah. That's not what I'm afraid of, but it's like how, what, what, what is being medicated, uh, you know, uh-huh. um, because indigeneity, blackness, mm-hmm. uh, queerness, et cetera, uh-huh. those aren't things that medication, the the, the, the problems no. that are, or, or or the the societal anxieties around those things are not within the scope of medication to take care of.
4: Correct. Correct. At the same time, we don't want to sacrifice our capacity for joy just because of our marginalizations, mm-hmm. right? So it, that's, it's such a hard balance to accept the ways in which the world has and continues to squash us, and at the same time find capacity for joy and pleasure and love, uh, community, um, art, it is like the hardest thing to figure out what fits mm-hmm. and how much yeah. of it we carry and how much of it we have to shed in order to live
2: is sex therapy <laughs> Ugh, uh,
5: no <laughs> i have a butt. I I, it was my, my sex goodness, is a lot gracious. of wonderful <laughs> things
0: but therapy Might is not the one opposite of,
3: them. of therapy <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: i've i've named
4: my largest butt plug therapy uh, No. <laughs>
3: To be, to be, oh my to be actually very honest, like sex is really good for me mentally. Like, yeah, I, like after yeah. I have sex, I, I'm, i mean, it's science, you know. Like that's just the brain. It's your yeah. brain. It, it feels good, and honestly, that that me sex ca- can sustain a level of happiness for days um, mm-hmm. after um, yeah. but it is not therapy well, I mean uh, well, no. it, but,
2: it, but if you I feel this way maybe you feel this way too but if you have or are the victim of some kind of dysmorphia one way or another and yeah. you can end up feeling very undesirable in your body like fucking I'm like oh, oh yeah. wow yeah. yes yeah. I am some I am <laughs> I am somebody <laughs> <laughs> but there's no replacement therapy is therapy and therapy is a butt plug in Joe's
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh my sit
2: on goodness. it sit on therapy no. benches
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm.
2: i'm feeling full but like i could fit one more thing inside of me dennis knows how i'm feeling <laughs> they're sitting on therapy right now no, uh,
0: <laughs> so for, she needed a little stretch
2: for dessert this week uh fran's got a little morsel for us
3: that's right okay so my ther- my therapy this week my dessert this week but also my therapy um, also dessert is therapy this yeah. is perfect yes um well not therapy but therapeutic uh. as we discussed um my dessert this week is literal witchcraft (laughs) Uh, like and I'm not joking like tarot, astrology, spells incantations, a community of intuitive witches has been something that has like come into my life in a very surprising way I always joke uh, about the fact that like you know I grew up deeply religious I grew up um, in a deeply Catholic background and that like was my life for 17 years and then when I left the faith very abruptly I had this God shaped hole um, in in my being and and i um felt... Tommy's smirking about the God-shaped
4: hole <laughs> that only therapy that's, could fill. That's, that's what Thieves that's what <laughs> calls um, their butthole. <laughs> to, anybody,
3: to anybody who's a, a recovering religious person, um, there, yes, is, absolutely. There, is, yeah. there is... Forever and always. There is a thing that is missing, um, and that doesn't mean you should go to religion. That doesn't mean you should go back to some sort of spiritual practice, but to me, witchcraft is a spirituality. I pull mm-hmm. my tarot every single day. Um, I am constantly... Cleanse, cleansing my room, cleansing my spaces and, like, casting manifenta- manifestations into my everyday Man, manifestation. Manifestations into my everyday um, Subliminal! And I, and I found this through Channy Nicholas. I found this through friends of mine who, like, divulged to me that they practice witchcraft yeah. in, in private. Um, and there's this fun term that I, like, learned, you know, last year. It's called an intuitive witch. And it's, like, someone who is like, doesn't go to witch school necessarily. It's no... Uh, it doesn't um is not uh, wearing a black hat or like full out casting spells all the time it's someone who practices the intention of magic in their everyday mm. um, no matter where they are and with with little instruction, meaning there's no there are no rules you can break, per se, because okay. you're practicing intuition. And I identify as an intuitive hmm. witch. Yeah. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What's your relationship to because I know, Joe, you do yeah. a lot of tarot.
4: Um, so tarot, it's, it's funny that the episode was about therapy and you brought up spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: Whole other bag of worms. Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, I, I was raised Catholic. And I do miss when I, I broke with the Catholic Church in, in college, specifically around the politics, both the sexual abuse and when they elected Pope Nazi, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Um it did leave a hole and, and for me, a big part of the hole was just about a spiritual practice, just about I, what I liked about church. It was like one hour a week where I got to sit in reflection and think about what I had done well and what I did. not And I was very lucky to be raised in a Catholic family. That was very um, kind of liberation theology. It was all about actually being kind to people and, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, being, believing that wealth is evil and that what is holy is treating people with abundant kindness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when i left the church for political reasons i i missed that hour so i try to draw my tarot uh, every sunday and it gives me this you know 30 45 minute hour space mm-hmm. where i sit and and similarly reflect mm-hmm. it's not about you know the tarot i think a misunderstanding is a is, uh, is telling the future it's divination yeah it's, that's not it's it it's it's not it at all it's sort of reading your situation and you if when you read your own in particular it gives you a, a, a moment to reflect. And so if you get a, a bad reading, that bad reading is more like, what are you doing in your life that is not feeding you? And how do you alter that? How do you alter your energy?
3: It's a fun practice in storytelling that you would otherwise exactly. would never administer on yourself. Exactly. Like it, it is, it's, you know, it's self-therapy in small ways. Exactly. Um, But yeah, I, I definitely, you know, if for some reason you have a stigma against witchcraft or any sort of like witchy anything, I, you know, coming from a Hispanic family, let me tell you, The devil is everything. (laughs) Devil is (laughs) devil is everywhere. And like, I grew up like being scared of horror stories. Like, I grew up. I wasn't allowed to watch Hocus Pocus, Kiki's Delivery Service, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, Harry Potter. Like, all the witch stuff. The witch stuff had me. I was so scared of witchcraft for so much of my life, um, because of this like darkness that I was always trained to be afraid. I was trained to be afraid of it. Listen, Um,
2: when I remember when my cousin Cece started listening to the Smashing Pumpkins, we were all like.
4: <laughs> what is he doing What we didn't over realize there? is that the real darkness is capitalism. I know, right? <laughs> right.
3: I have a vivid memory of going into Hot Topic with my mother. If you are not in the United States, Hot Topic is this um like goth store that yeah. like you know it's just like punk rock and like Tim Burton movies, you know. Like, and I, I like loved the store, and I one time went in there with my mom, and my mom was like, "We have to go." <laughs> the devil is here (laughs) and we cannot be here right now. Like she literally was like, there is this evil spirit here. Um, And let me tell you, those evil spirits write all on my paychecks. <laughs> 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 the devil's name is on my paychecks, mama. And, uh, and, uh, the, I mean, Catholicism and religion and, or, or religion of any kind wants you to stay away from things that can give you power. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it doesn't matter if that is real magic or intuitive magic or just like a simple
0: manifestation, but
3: that's that know, tree of knowledge shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I find most interesting though about that, cause, um, we've talked about this before on the show, but Fran and I grew up in very similar homes in that way where I was very, like, like, when I was in second grade, I snuck out of the house to watch *Sabrina the Teenage Witch*. I went uh. to my next, like I, I wasn't even allowed to do that. But just the idea that, like that kind of like deference of um of of a, of a way that a family is raising a child also shows that there's a way in which they believe in it too, mm-hmm. which. I, uh and my parents were very upfront about like my mom was very upfront about it. she was like this is actually evil it can th- it, it like she'd had an, ex- an experience with um a Ouija board that was very emotionally difficult for her and so she always yeah. was like don't engage in any of this kind of stuff um and so and And there are legends in my family about family members of mine from generations past who have occult abilities and and talents, which is very interesting to me. So I also have this very tenuous relationship where I'm still a little bit scared of it, but I also love it. And I like I'm looking for a really great phenomenal tarot reader to do a session oh, with god, i got I mean, it, for you yes i i, yeah, I was say, i was like i was like fran is amazing but not fran like i mean you know <laughs> like you know like a really you know, really I have, excellent person I have real recommendations from real um yeah to real i was terror. gonna text you the other day because i i want to i, I, I want to do i got that, you girl so, my, gr- yeah. my girl
3: kelsey will hook you up oh
4: my
0: god yeah um, and just to
3: round out this conversation resources oh sorry
0: have, you go I first i have one more thing
4: to say sorry. before we round out um i just you know i get this question all the time because i'm a scientist right? So science is meant to be all about rationality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, witchcraft is kind of not, <laughs> but like the enlightenment and Western rationality is fucking bullshit. Like mm-hmm. it is a racist, capitalist, sexist, homophobic institution that imagines only one way to get knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I'm a scientist. I believe in the epistemology of science. I believe that science is a way of knowing, but it is not the only way of knowing. And I, ugh, one of my favorite poets once wrote I think it's only natural to look skyward.
2: Oh, who the fuck? <laughs> that sounds Ooh, like some. Gay it's gay Tommy. Ass, in case some, you didn't some guess, some gay Just wa- ass I want some shit. takeaways.
3: So, um, subscribe to Channing Nicholas's new le- newsletter. Yes. It's so fucking amazing. It's great about. It has a really like approachable. Uh. Uh access to astrology in a way that won't intimidate you. I strongly recommend Toto journal. My friend runs it. It's like a a blog on like spirituality on, on witchcraft, um, broadly by vice. It has Mm -hmm. spun itself entirely. And now is a lot about spirituality, witchcraft, astrology, which I strong and lore, which I think is amazing. Um, Read Modern Tarot by Michelle T, which it's is a amazing. queer feminist tarot book that also incorporates many memoirs into every card. Yeah. It's really good. And then also the Many Moons Journal by Modern Women, which sounds like it's like this feminist tarot book or this feminist like um reading of the moon faces uh, on the calendar year, but um it's actually like a deeply deeply queer book written by a whole team of queer people that put forth this book about how to read the moon phases and then it comes with you know approachable spells and yeah. like manifestations and tarot readings that you can go along with the cycle of the moon
4: and the other okay. thing is give your witches money yeah yes. yes. no. them. it's work they're, they're doing so it's much work. work for you and and that's important that we understand that
0: mm-hmm. yeah boom Yeah.
2: This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé mm. and our new home at Forever Dog. Forever Dog. Our media partner is intomore.com, an online magazine for queer news and culture. Our producer is the cheese on our sausage pizza, <laughs> Alexandra De Palma. <laughs>
4: That's awesome. It's a pepperoni. A
2: pepperoni. <laughs> a
4: <clone of> <laughs> it's
2: a leg. The pro. <laughs> I'm Tommy Teabes Pico. You can find me at Hey HeyTeabes, H-E-Y-T-E-E-B-S, on online all relevant social media
4: I'm Fran you can find me at Fran Squish Co on Twitter Instagram and
0: Venmo I'm Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at
4: www.josephosmondson.com.
0: And I'm Dennis Norris II. And you can find me on Twitter at The Earl Dendon, T H E E A R L D E N D E
5: N.
2: Subscribe, rate, and review us five stars on iTunes or I'm burning all of Joe's tank tops. (laughs) 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 I'm doing it either way. (laughs) you know they're better than yours. Thank you you for shut your whore (laughs) mouth. Find us on Instagram as Gay Sluts Who Read and join us on Facebook and Twitter as Food for Thought Pod, where each week we pin some questions at the top of our page to continue the discussion of this week's main topic. Sign up for our newsletter to see a list of everything we're reading and some extra delectable content at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. And finally, send your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick pics to Thoughts. At foodforthoughtpodcast.com, as always, that's food, the number four, in thoughts spelled ho T-H-O-T. Thanks for listening. See you next week. God-shaped hole. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: I think wow. it's probably we better when we both don't all yeah. agree, because then we can all yep. come together in our hatred yeah. of Joe. Also <laughs> <laughs> oh, true. <laughs>